Let's go to Ezra chapter number 9. And I want to just bring out a few principles tonight from the Word of God. Uh, something that's on my heart tonight that I want to share with you. And I'll be about 15 minutes and then 15, 20 minutes at the max. And then we'll get into prayer, alright? How many has been enjoying prayer on Wednesday nights? Alright. At least one of you. I said, how many have been enjoying prayer on Wednesday nights? Amen. I'm glad that you're here. A church that prays together is a church that stays together. Say that with me. A church that prays together is a church that stays together. Say it again. A church that... You know, it's hard for a church, Sister Raylene, it's hard for a church to split if the church is praying. I have never known a church that was a praying church that would split. Have you ever, Brother Mike? I've never known a church that was praying and seeking God and that happened. I always saw churches who started veering away from spiritual principles and spiritual disciplines, then things like that starts to happen. And so a church that prays together is a church that stays together. A family that prays together is a family that stays together. How many knows that God is in the staying business? You know, the Greek word for the word devil is diablos. Everybody say diablos. You know what diablos does? He throws things. Everybody say throw things. That's the first definition. There's a second word it also means. It means to scatter. Scatter. So it's important that we gather because when we are... Y'all talk to me. When we are... It is the work of the what? It's the work of the enemy. When we are scattered, it's the work of the enemy. But when we are gathered, it's the work of the Spirit. Say that with me. When we are scattered... Come on, talk to me, church. Come on. Put a smile on your face. Act like you want to be here tonight, okay? All right? So everybody talk with the pastor tonight, all right? When we are gathered, it's the work of the, the Spirit. And when we are scattered, it's the work of the what? It's the work of the enemy. So we got to make sure priority comes number one. The enemy wants to scatter. The enemy wants to divide. The enemy continues to throw things. Diablos, it means to throw and it means to scatter. His name also means to accuse. So guess what? When you bring up people's past, you're acting like the devil, right? Because that's what the devil does. The devil always accuses people of their past. So when you're bringing up people's past, you're, you're, you're operating just like the devil, all right? Because that's what the devil does. The devil, he, he throws things at you. And what does he throw? He throws up your past. He's the accuser of the brethren. So the enemy, he throws things. Everybody say he throws things. Diablos to throw. Number two, what else does he do? He scatters. And number three, he accuses. Everybody say he throws. What does he throw, church? He throws thoughts. The mind is the battlefield. If you allow the enemy there, it will control everything else that you do. The mind is the factory that produces what the body does. So if you allow the enemy here, why did the, you know, Jesus died at Golgotha, which is called the place of the skull. Why did he, why did he die at the place of the skull? Skull represents the mind. And Jesus died at the place where he knew that life's greatest battles would occur, and that's in the skull. How many knows the battle is in the mind? Everybody say, I know that's true. 
How many would raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, I agree with you, the battle's in the mind. And if you allow the enemy in the mind, because the enemy will begin to talk to you, what, what does he do? He throws things. Remember, Diablos, the devil throws. He throws things. What does he throw? He throws thoughts. He brings up your past. And you've got to come to a place in your life that you can't believe everything you think. Everybody say that with me. I can't believe everything I think. Listen, if you believe everything you think, you would be depressed. Come on, somebody. How many would raise your hand and say, I know that's true, I'd be depressed if I believed everything I thought. If you believe everything you thought, you would be depressed. There would be no need for you to get up out of bed if you believed everything you thought. You can't believe everything you thought, think. And everything you think is not factual. All right? So it's not factual. Everything you, everything you think is not factual. Everything you think is not true. So you've got to know that the battle is in the mind. Now, this is very simplistic. It's very simple. But it is very true. That's where the devil operates. The devil throws things at your mind. What did the enemy do in Mark chapter 4? Excuse me, Matthew chapter 4. The enemy came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, cast yourself down. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones into bread. And isn't that what the enemy does? He always wants to make you doubt who you are in Christ. Because that's what the devil did to Jesus. If you are the Son of God, cast these stones, or cast yourself down from the pinnacle of the temple. If you are the Son of God, make these stones into bread. You see, the enemy wanted Jesus to doubt who he was. And that's exactly what happens. And it's interesting to me, it's very interesting to me, that in Matthew, I just want to show you a principle here. In Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 3, Matthew chapter 3, uh, yes, I think, yeah, Matthew chapter 3, and I want you to see what happens here. Matthew chapter 3 and verse number 16. Look at it. Matthew 3 verse 16. When Jesus started his public ministry in Galilee, when Jesus is 30 years old, at the beginning of his ministry, something happened to Jesus. Jesus goes to a river named Jordan. His cousin was John the Baptist there. And John the Baptist performs a baptismal ritual on Jesus. Jesus comes up out of the water. Now, Jesus doesn't need to be baptized, but he did it for our example. Matthew chapter 3, verse 15, permitted to be so now, for thus it's fitting to fulfill all righteousness. All right? So Jesus did it for our example. But notice what happens in the baptismal ritual where Jesus is baptized. He's baptized. He comes up out of the water. And the Bible says... He's, the spirit, the, the heavens opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove upon him. Verse number 17, and then guess what happens? He, heard, he hears a voice saying, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Now stop here. Now I want you to notice what the devil does. The very first thing that happens in Jesus' ministry, now don't lose me, church. The very first thing that happens in Jesus' ministry is that Jesus receives validation from the Father. Everybody say amen. He receives validation from the Father. The very first thing that happens in Jesus' ministry is that he receives validation from the Father. Even before he turns water into wine, before he performs the first miracle, before Jesus raises the dead, before Jesus does exorcisms, before Jesus does any miracle, he receives validation from the Father. And the Father says, this is my Son, and I'm very well pleased in him. That's the first thing that happens. And guess what happens, church? After Jesus receives validation from the Father, that's the very first thing that happens. 
Jesus receives validation from the Father. And the second thing that happens is the validation is tested. Am I right about it? Because look at it, Matthew chapter 4, the validation is tested. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 3. Matthew 4 verse 3. Look what the scripture says. Matthew chapter 4 and verse number 3. Now, when the tempter came to him, he said, if you are the Son of God, stop. What was the first thing that happened in Jesus' ministry? He was validated from who? Talk to me, church. He was validated from who? God. And what did God say? This is my Son, in whom I'm well... That is in chapter 3. The very first thing that happens after Jesus is baptized is the enemy comes to him and he starts to put question marks over his validation and says, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to be bred. Let me tell you something, church. When, when he calls you, the very first thing that you need to experience in your relationship with God is you need to feel validated from the Father. You need to make sure you know who you are in Christ. Because if you don't know who you are in Christ, then you will fall at everybody's feet begging for validation and acceptance from everybody else because you don't feel complete and you don't feel secure and you don't feel right, you don't feel validated, so you seek validation from everybody else. If you don't get validation from the Father, then I promise you the enemy is going to test that validation. All the time. Young people. Putting on Facebook, you're my world, you're my everything. They've dated three weeks and supposedly somebody's their everything. They're seeking validation and approval. Teenagers committing suicide because their so-called boyfriend and girlfriend broke up with them. This is a prime example. The world is seeking for validation. The world is seeking for approval. The world is seeking for acceptance. And Jesus understood something, that if my ministry is going to be successful, if my ministry is going to reach the world, if my ministry is going to make a difference, I first must be accepted and feel validated from my Father, who is my Master. He got validation from the Father first. He understood. He understood. You know why he understood this? Is because he understood that he was going to come in relationship with 12 people. Those 12 people were going to be his disciples. Those 12 people were going to eat with him. They were going to travel with him. They were going to stay with him for three and a half years. But Jesus understood that even though he was close to these people, these people we're going to leave him in the end. And his acceptance and his security is not going to be found in the love of those 12 disciples. His validation and his approval was going to be found in the Father first because if his validation and his approval is found in the Father first, it doesn't matter if Peter leaves him and Judas denies him and, and they all lie and they're not there. It doesn't matter because he's already been accepted at the beginning of his ministry. It doesn't matter if you leave me. I know who I am. I'm in the Father. I already got that settled three years ago. That's why he said to Peter, go ahead and do what you need to do at the communion table. That's why he said to Judas, go ahead, your betrayer is at hand. Go ahead and do what you need to do because my acceptance is not found if you accept me or not. We live in a generation where people want validation and acceptance and approval. I mean, they're longing for it on Facebook. How many likes we can get? 
We're so hungry for validation and approval. But as Christians, our validation does not come from our spouse or our kids or our kitty cat or our dog. Our validation comes from the Father. And if He approves us, it doesn't matter whether you walk out on me or not. He accepts me. You've got to come to a place in your life where you have security with the Master. That you feel secure with Jesus. That you know within your heart He loves you. And if He loves me, it doesn't matter what people say about me, what people do, how they treat me. I know He has accepted me. And you know why this is important? Jesus received validation from the Father, number one, because He understood, if you read the Gospels, the Pharisees were after Him. The Pharisees called Him names. They called Him the devil. The scribes and the Pharisees and religious leaders and the elders always was kicking up their heel against him. They were always accusing him of something. They always was accusing him of doing something wrong. And if Jesus' validation was rested upon the, the approval of the religious leaders, he would have gave up his ministry a long time ago. Jesus was always having battles with religious leaders. They were always kicking their heel up against Him. They were always calling Him names. The disciples couldn't even stay awake enough to pray with Him. I mean, if He really wanted acceptance and validation from religious leaders and from the 12 closest people to His life, He would have been a depressed man. And we live in a generation where we constantly want validation and approval and acceptance and we'll go to the very end of our life seeking for it and longing for it. And listen, there is a desire within us to be accepted by people. And there's a desire within us to be loved by people and cared for people. But there is also an extreme to that that becomes unhealthy. I read an article the other day. Somebody committed suicide. And, and you know, that's a horrible Thing and God help us. And I've had family members who've committed it, and that's a situation that we need to be very sensitive about and pray for families. And it's a very dark place that people get themselves in. But people commit suicide because of three things. Number one, they feel unloved, unwanted. Number two, they feel no self worth. And number three, they're not afraid to die. And if you could pass those three barriers, that's what happens to people. They don't feel loved. Feel like nobody loves them? No self-worth, number two. Number three, they're just not afraid to die. It's a very sensitive subject. Reading something the other day, somebody committed suicide because somebody, they said, left a note because somebody didn't love them. I read stories. You saw stories on Facebook. Pastors committing suicide. Leaving notes behind for their churches. Multiple pastors committing suicide. And what did they say in the note? Nobody cares what I do. People are disrespectful. People don't care the sacrifice I give week after week, day after day. It's not worth it. And you know, I could see that. It's discouraging to come to church and people act like they're not paying attention. And, you know, you pray all week and study and give yourself to the Word of God. And people are just lackadaisical in the receptivity of the Word. I get that. I, I can sympathize. But to come to an extreme where you want to commit suicide, that's, that, that, that's an extreme. But you see, the bottom line is, is that we put our validation in the approval of people. 
And that becomes such an extreme to people that it becomes a bondage to them. They don't know how to get past it. They don't see beyond it. And that's what I'm saying to you tonight is that as Christians and as men and women of God, we first must get this settled in our heart, in our soul, in our spirit, that the validation that we really need has to come from God and God alone. And when we get that settled, then the approval of people and the acceptance of people, although it's nice to have, but if we don't have it, it's not going to be as devastating. We've, we've got to first... We, and listen to Pastor. You, I don't know how you, you need to get it, but you have to get it. Whether you've got to wrestle it in prayer, or quote Scripture, or pray about it, but there comes a garden experience in your life where you come to a place in your life where you reprioritize your life, and you come to a place in your life where you say, listen... My priorities have been out. I've been seeking validation, approval from all these other places, and it's just causing me misery. I need to pull my life back into alignment. Jesus was validated from his father first. And then right after that, the enemy comes to tempt him. says, if you are the Son of God, tempting him after he just had an experience with the Lord. And throughout the whole Gospels, Jesus battled obstacles from religious leaders who didn't even think he was true, if Jesus' validation wasn't found in the Father and the approval of the Father first, he would have gave up. How in the world can you give your life to 12 men and in the end only one of them is standing at your crucifixion looking at you? Only one of them. Where's the other 11? Even Jesus struggled with it on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The validation comes from God alone. Number one. It's good to have the acceptance and the approval and the love of people that's wonderful and sweet, but sometimes you don't always get it. How many would just say amen? Sometimes you don't always get it. How many would just be truthful with Pastor Joshua says, raise your hand and say, I've wanted the love and acceptance and approval and validation from certain people in my life, and it seemed like I loved them more than they loved me, and it always left me miserable. Raise your hand. Left you miserable, didn't it? Left you mentally drained and emotionally drained, trying, trying to get their acceptance, even with your own children. Just, just the constant. And that's why security comes from a place where your validation comes from God and God alone. And I, and I would say this, that sometimes it doesn't just happen in a prayer line. Sometimes this breakthrough is a continual struggle of your life. It's something that we always struggle with. Because you can't see God, can you? So how do you receive validation from someone you can't see? You can't see him. I mean, at least you could put your arm around me. At least I could feel as though you accept me. But how do I feel accepted by God? How do I feel validated by God when he's not in a visible form here? 
You ever thought about it? I mean, how does that happen? Yes, it's through faith, obviously. Yes, it's through the submission of our lives to the, the principles and precepts of the Word of God. Yes, that's a part of it. But do you know that sometimes being validated from the Father happens in a process of prayer? That you seeking after God is like a lover seeking after someone that they are pursuing. It's this, you, you're seeking because you desire validation. Can we just switch our energy from trying to get everybody to appease us and approve of us and love us? Take that type of energy and can we channel it through prayer and seek after God and let's see if that seeking will produce a feeling of acceptance. Do you, do you think that's possible? And I, and I would say this, that sometimes I think the reason why we don't really feel validated and accepted by the Father is because I don't know if we've put enough time in prayer about it. I, I don't know if we've... I think we've prayed about houses and cars and problems more than about ourselves. We have worked so hard in life that we haven't worked on ourselves. The job that you have, they don't care anything about you. You quit tomorrow and they're going to find somebody else to replace you. You can't find your validation in your job. It's wonderful to have a spouse that loves you and they should validate you and love you, but something could happen to them tomorrow. And there's multiple stories where then you end up by yourself. It's good to have the acceptance and approval of your children. But you know and I know that that doesn't always happen. Give to them and love them and they turn around and hurt you. There comes a time where we have to understand that there are only certain things in our life that only God could give us. And that no matter how we look at it, no one or no thing could ever, 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 ever solve that hole within us. Do you think people really want to be on drugs? No. Do you know what drugs, do you know what they are? It's a coping mechanism. Do you think people really want to be divorced? No. Do you think people really want to live a life that they feel like they're losing in? Absolutely not. People get themselves in situations because they're trying to get out of something. They're trying to cope with life and they don't know how to cope with life. And I think that the bottom line is is that we do all these things because deep down inside we really want the validation, the approval of people and we never get it. I've counseled many people sitting there in front of me, years of ministry. I was hurt by my parents, hurt by this, hurt by that, and I sought all my life trying to be loved. It's common. But if you look at the Scripture, Jesus started His very ministry with getting the validation and the approval 
from the Father first. I've got to get this down first. If I can get this down first, I could survive Judas betraying me. If I can get this down first, I will survive Peter's temper. If I can get this down first, I could survive all of them leaving me. If I can get this down first, I could survive the Pharisees and Sadducees calling me names and even calling me the devil. Even when I'm doing something good, I could survive it if I can know that He has accepted me and He loves me. He approves of me. If I, if I really know that, then I'm going to be able to mentally, emotionally, and spiritually cope with the rejection and denial of the people who are closest to my life. That's what happened. This is my beloved son. He didn't just say my son. This is my beloved son. This is my loved son. This is my baby boy. This, this man belongs to me. You know, my pastor, Jimmy Patillo, every time he comes to this church, he's always bragging about how much he loves me. You know that, always. How much he loves me. You know, and I tell him before we walk out here, I tell him in my office, Pastor, I know that you love me, but please don't get up and tell my church for 20 minutes about how awesome you think I am, how much you love me, and blah, blah. You know what happened one day? I told him that. He started crying. I mean, just big crocodile tears rolling down his cheek. I said, well, pastor, did I hurt your feelings? He said, yes. He says, because you're my only son that I have. I have no, I have no one but you. And he says, I'm very proud of you, and it doesn't really matter what they think. This is what I think. I said, okay, okay, whatever. Whatever you need to do. <laughs> you know how that made me feel? It made me feel like 10 foot tall and bulletproof. It doesn't really matter what everybody else thinks. As long as he approves of me, I'm okay. You know what I'm saying? How many would raise your hand and say, when people validate you, it kind of makes you feel that way. And that's exactly what the father did. This is my son. I accept him. I approve of him. So when Jesus went through His ministry and they all rejected Him, and they all called Him names, they all left Him, it didn't matter. Because He got something settled in His life. He got something. He put a, he put a peg. He put a nail in His ministry. He secured it. This is important. Now church, let, let's not be so super spiritual that, that we think that we don't want the love and acceptance of people. Of course, I want the love and acceptance of people. It's a natural thing. We all desire it. There's nothing wrong with it. But you see, 
My point is, is priority and alignment of His validation comes first. If you get the validation and approval and acceptance and love of people afterwards, that's great. It makes life more easier if you can get it. But if you never get it, then you know that you got the most important validation down. Does that make sense? You know you got that down. And that gives such confidence, gives such rest, gives such security. You know, it's easier said than done, isn't it? You get up and you preach stuff like this, it's easier said than done. And that is why it, it happens in a process of prayer, submission. It's, it's, it's going to be this tension all your life. It's just, it's just a battle to feel it accepted and loved and appreciated. You know, there was a woman, and I'll close with this. There was this woman, I think, I think it's... Um, if I could find the Scripture... It's Leah and Jacob. Is that in? It's in Genesis, isn't it? Uh, Genesis. Uh, does somebody know where the story of? Um, let's see. Um, the story of. Y'all know what I'm thinking, don't you? You know what I'm thinking, don't you? Everybody can read my mind. No. Okay, I found it. Genesis 29, verse 31. Genesis 29.31. I'm going to close with this story. Genesis 29.31. A woman by the name of Leah. You know, Leah and Rachel were sisters, right? And who was in love with them? Or at least one of them. Jacob. Jacob was in love with Rachel, the beautiful one, right? So, Jacob was in love with the beautiful one, Rachel, while Leah, the Bible says... You know, she wasn't that well favored. So you know the story. Jacob wanted to marry Rachel, worked seven years for her. After the seven years, he ends up with who? Leah! Now how does that happen? I pray that don't happen to me, Jesus. He, he wakes up with Leah! Now how does that happen? Well, Jewish custom, when a woman was getting married, she was heavily veiled and it's nighttime. They didn't have electricity. Alright? So when they went in to consummate the marriage, he couldn't see her face. There's no electricity. He wakes up the next morning and discovers, it's not the woman that I wanted. So guess what? Jacob says to his father-in-law, Hey dude! You messed me over! And you know what his father-in-law said? I forgot to tell you, in our custom we have to give away the, the older daughter first. You know, Jacob was like, dude, I'm going to blast your name on Facebook. You did me wrong. And Leah, uh, 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 the father-in-law said, well, if you, want, if you want your girl, if you want Rachel, you're going to have to work another seven years. So get this. Jacob gets up every morning, goes to work for his father-in-law, and he has to work seven years for... Rachel, right? The beautiful one. But he's actually married to who? Leah! So he's married to Leah, sleeping in the same bed with Leah, 
but gets up every morning, goes to work for his father-in-law so he can marry Rachel, the sister. Now, if anybody was cheated and mistreated, it's Leah. Because I don't know if I could be married to somebody. Come on, somebody. All you women up here, you know you wouldn't take that, would you? Come on. I mean, she's getting up, making him eggs and bacon and sausage and gravy. And he's going to work to get her sister. Now, I don't know about you, but that is messed up. Lifetime don't even have a movie like that. Come on, folks. That's messed up. And Leah, look, now get this. Verse 31, Leah, now remember, Rachel can't have no babies. Leah, the ugly one, okay, she's not, the, you know, really, she's not well favored. She was not blessed with looks. Rachel is beautiful, but she's barren. Leah is not blessed with good looks, but she's producing babies here for him. And this is the story, verse 31. When the Lord saw that Leah was unloved, she felt unloved by who? Jacob, because Jacob's in love with her sister. She's in love, she feels unloved. He opened her womb, but Rachel was. Now, guess what happens? Verse 32. So Leah conceived and bore a son, called his name Reuben, for she said, The Lord surely looked on my affliction. Now, therefore, my husband will. So, guess what she's saying? You know, She's thinking, my husband is getting up every day, going to work to get my sister. But you know, my sister can't, have, can't give him no babies, but at least I can. So maybe if I can give him a baby, he will love me. You see what she's thinking? I'm going to give him a baby, and he will love me. Because you know Rachel can't give him no babies. He's going to love me. So Leah... Pops out baby number one, Reuben. And she said, surely now my what? My what? My husband will... Have you ever been there? Have you ever been in your life where you're trying to produce and produce and produce to try to get somebody's attention to love you? Well, it didn't work. So Leah thought to herself, well, baby number one didn't work and that didn't get his attention. So guess what? I'm going to have him another baby. Verse 33. Then she conceived again and bore a son. Here's second number, second, number two. And she said, because the Lord has heard that I was, He has therefore given me a son and called his name what? Simeon. So she has Reuben, she has Simeon. She's like, I'm going to we'll have him another baby. And now maybe he'll love me. Verse 34, well that didn't get Jacob's attention. So she conceives again. Isn't that what we do? When we want validation approval from people and they're not giving it to us, guess what we do? We just keep trying, keep trying, keep trying, keep trying wear ourselves out to try to get their approval and it doesn't work. Because she conceived again, she bore a son and said, now this time, now her attitude's changing. Now she says, surely this time my husband will be what? What? 
attached to me. You know what she's thinking? There is no way under heaven my husband's going to leave me for my sister when he finds out I have three children. How are you going to walk out on me and go up the street and live with my sister when you have three babies? Dude, you're going to stay right here up in this house and help me take care of these babies. That's what she's thinking. Surely he's going to attach himself to me. Surely he's going to love me. So she called his name what? Levi. So she has three sons. And guess what Jacob does? Does Jacob pay attention to her? Come on, church, does he pay attention to her? No. Doesn't pay attention to her. Verse 35. Something happens to Leah. I'm about to shout on this Wednesday night. Leah has a revelation. Leah says, you know, I'm going I'm, yeah, I'm to have another baby, but this time, I'm not going to have a baby to try to get my husband to love me. I'm not going to have a baby to try to get Jacob to give me some more attention and validation. Because I've been trying a long time and my husband don't love me. My husband don't even care anything about me. He loves my sister. And you know what? I'm going to wake up and realize that I'm not seeking his validation any longer. I'm going to have a baby this time, but this baby is not for my husband. This baby is for the Lord. Somebody say amen. And she conceived again and said, Now this time will I praise the Lord and called his name Judah, and she stopped having children. I want to let you know, there comes a time in your life you need to stop having and producing things for other people for them to love you and like you and accept you. You need to turn your attention to the Lord and say, Now this time I'm going to have a Judah. Now this time I'm going to praise the Lord. And you know what Judah is? Judah was the lineage through which Jesus came. And you know what Leah failed to realize? Leah was having all these babies to get Jacob to love her. But what Leah didn't realize, the fourth baby, which was Judah, was actually the carrier for the Messiah. She didn't realize that when she produced the last child, that child held enough validation in that for her whole future. And right when Jacob died, he said, when you bury me, Sister Aileen, bury me next to Leah. Not Rachel. Because he realized that sometimes it doesn't take looks and talent and giftings. Sometimes it just takes the right attitude. It takes the right perseverance and tenacity. Come on, somebody. When I die, don't bury me beside the good-looking girl. When I die, bury me beside somebody that I know is a praiser. Bury me beside somebody that knows how to praise God through their unloved and through their hurt and through their pain. Bury me beside somebody that knows how to lift their hands up in the midst of the divorce and knows how to praise God. Bury me beside somebody that knows how to praise God in the middle of the winds and the waves and the adversity and the unfortunate situation. I I want to be connected to somebody that knows how to praise God in the middle of their storm. 
And I want to be connected to somebody that knows that your validation is from God and God alone. That you know how to press through the pain of being unloved and rejected and hurt. Leah was unloved. She was rejected. She was hurt. But she had an epiphany. She woke up and said, ain't no more. Not on this calendar. I'm not going to give this man any more babies because I am sick and tired of trying to produce to try to get everybody to love me and like me and pat me on the back. Now this time, I'm going to change my attitude and I'm going to start producing for the Lord. Some of you need to wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. Quit trying to get your validation from everybody on Facebook and everybody in the church and whether somebody likes you and pats you on the back and rewards you and recognizes you. You need to wake up, wake up, wake up. Because it's going to put you in a mental torment because you're going to find out that all the love and the attention that you want and desire from people, sometimes it just is not going to be given back. We want it to be. We desire it to be. And it's good when it happens. Sometimes it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. We all want to feel loved. It's part of our anatomy. We were created to be loved. What really hurts is when you don't feel like you're loved. It's what hurts. It hurts when you feel like you're given more in a relationship that's what's given back to you. It hurts when you're the generous person. It hurts when you go the extra mile. You would think that they would return it. It hurts. And it's okay. We need to admit it hurts. We need to admit it's okay, it hurts. It's okay that we want love and acceptance and approval from people. That's all right. But sometimes we just don't get it. And what do you do when you don't get it? You've got to change your focus and start having some Judas for the Lord. Now, why did I preach on this tonight? Actually, I wasn't going to preach on it. I was going to preach on Ezra chapter 7. That's what I was going to preach on. But this is from my overflow. And so I'm preaching to you what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you. So this is not a word out of a textbook. It's not a word that I just come up with five minutes before I walked out of here. This is a word from God to somebody tonight that you need to change your perception, change your view, stop having and producing babies for everybody else, start having some Judas for the Lord. Start having some Judas for the Lord. Start having, because you'll find out that the people you desire love and acceptance and approval for, eventually, they might wake up and realize what a gift and a treasure you truly were. But you can't, can't wait on it. Better move on.